I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Uh, I teased on social media that the podcast you're hearing right now is going to be different from the ones you're used to, and that's because for this, I was joined by boxing writer extraordinaire Hector Franco, who lives in Florida. Uh, He and I discussed the idea of doing a joint podcast before we had tried it, and thanks to a mistake on my end, which, you know, it was my fault, uh, all that great discussion was lost, unfortunately, and it took us just... I, I don't know what our the, what our problem was. Chances are the problem was me because I was just so angry about losing it the first time that I didn't want to risk a second loss. But uh, Hector, thankfully, did say, hey, you know, why don't we try recording again? And I said, sure. And we did that last night. And so without further ado, this is the discussion between me and Hector Franco about a bunch of topics that you're going to be interested in. Since this is going to be a joint podcast, whatever you want to talk about first, we can do that. We can talk about uh, Jorge Linares versus Vasil Lomachenko. We can talk about uh, Gary Russell defending his featherweight title. Or we can uh, go to Toronto and talk about Adonis Stevenson and Badu Jack going to a draw, which maybe they should change his name to Bad Draw Jack. He has had quite a few draws. I mean, you know, with... uh what was it James DeGale? James I think DeGale. maybe uh, Lucian Butte, or did that get changed to like a DQ? That got changed. I to think a it D- was. Yeah, it was changed to a DQ victory. His uh, first draw came back in 2013 to Marco Antonio Paraban. Hmm. I remember that guy. He he kind of uh, was in in and out. Uh, his name was out there for a while, and then. He had a couple losses and then you know, was kind of out of the game. But he was he was an okay fighter, probably not your typical Mexican fighter. He had a little more uh, te- technique and skill that he used. But you know, I, I definitely think that um, the Stevenson Jack fight kind of highlights an issue with uh, the scoring of boxing. Where you know we had Adonis Stevenson, who I remember Steve Farhood from Showtime had him winning five of the first six rounds. But you know. When he's winning those rounds, they're really close rounds. Not a lot is going on. And, you know, when you go to the second half of the fight where Badu Jack is basically uh, assaulting Adonis Stevenson for the most part, you know, just uh, winning his rounds big. And clearly, you know, they're scored the same. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I guess Badu Jack should have started a little bit earlier. I, that, that was my uh, – yeah. that was the way I looked at it. I watched the show uh, – or I watched the broadcast twice, one with the, the Showtime commentary. The other was uh, this uh, – I'm pretty sure it was Russian. And, it, you know, both times it was kind of like, you know what? I, I think Jack should have started earlier. But I think his strategy was to uh, kind of let Stevenson get into the deep waters you know, uh, just burn as much energy as he could, and then once, you know, he was tired, because let, let's be honest, I think Stevenson's only gone the distance twice in since winning the title. Yeah, I mean, he, he and you know, the fact is, I mean, he's 40 years old, uh, the guy is extremely inactive, um, you look at 2017, he only fought once, 2016, he only fought once, um, He's he's been steadily on the decline since uh, he kind of arrived on the scene in 2013. But I, I will say though, um, after this fight and uh, kind of I know he, the commentators at Showtime said that he hurt Bottle Jack with a body shot at the end of the tenth round, and then he he did win the eleventh round. And uh, you know, 
he's a guy I've been really critical of. Uh, I think he's kind of been a, a false king, I guess, for the last few years, a light heavyweight. But I, I think in this fight, he may have uh, gained a few more fans, at least showing that he does have heart and he's a real fighter. He's, he's not just somebody out there for money, I guess. But um, I, I do think that he... Even in a, a loss, which I, I did think Badu Jack won, I think he earned a little bit more respect with the fans for sticking through there and making it through the full 12 rounds. I agree. Um, I, I certainly can understand the uh, criticisms towards Stevenson. I, I'm perhaps not as harsh simply because he's a fellow countryman. But um, I, I think a lot of people in 2013, the way he arrived on the scene with his you know one-punch knockout of Chad Dawson, the way yeah. he just you know tore apart Tavor's cloud and then you know destroyed Tony Bellew before Bellew bounced back with Creed and the Cruiserweight Championship along with some <laughs> yeah. games over David Hay. I, I think yeah. a lot of people were saying, all right, 2014, that's going to be the year where we see one of the biggest light heavyweight championship fights in years, Stevenson versus Kovalev. It can't get any bigger or better. And then yeah, I think it was late 2013 or early 2014, he signed with Al Heyman, and that just kind of – that now, now Kovalev versus Stevenson is a pipe dream. Yeah, and it's a shame. I think that um, the most important thing within that fight, no matter who would have won, I think the fight would not have gone the distance. And I, and I think that uh, it's a matter of who lands first, most likely. But, I, you know, I've always favored Kovalev because I think he has superior technique to Stevenson. But you never know. I mean, sometimes oh, you yeah. know, if he lands the straight left, he lands the straight left. So. There's not much you can do after that. You know, I, I think he could definitely definitely hurt Kovalev with that. But you know what? Uh, maybe maybe now they'll do the fight. I, I, I doubt it. But, um, you know, he's going to – Kovalev is going to be fighting Eladir Alvarez, uh, I think, in New York in August. So that that should be a good test for him. You know, he was Stevenson's mandatory for uh, I, I don't know how many years. But um, but the logical next fight for Stevenson is likely a rematch with Badu Jack. I think that's probably the one that makes him the most money and the one I think uh, fans want to see the most. I agree with that. I mean, I don't think I can't think of another, you know, aside from Alvarez and uh, Kovalev himself, I can't think of any other fight out there for Stevenson that's going to be as big in terms of an impact in the division. And the thing is now, okay. Are we going to hold a rematch in the United States somewhere? I mean, Stevenson, has, for the past, I think, uh, seven or eight years, has been fighting strictly in Canada. And this uh, this one, or actually, no, he's had two fights in Toronto for the past, uh, you know, few years or so. But, you know, uh, uh, I, this is where the frustrations start to set in because it's like, all right, you know, I, I want the best fights in boxing, but if people are fighting it, with fighters under the PBC banner, that's usually not going to be the case. Or they're not going to be fighting very often. Yeah, and it's definitely uh, a shame. You know, I would love to see uh, Sean Porter fight more. Um, and, and you know what? Speaking of somebody who's a great example of that is Gary Russell Jr. You know, Gary Russell Jr. fought almost a year to the day last year. And, uh, you know, that fight was overshadowed by the incident that happened in the Andre Durrell, Jose uh Uskadagi fight, uh, you know, with Darrell's uncle. But, yes, that's right. Um, but you know, Gary Russell, you know, I, I thought his fight with Joseph Diaz was was highly entertaining. I thought it was a good fight. Um, 
Gary Russell showed that he's definitely one of the best featherweights, and I just hope we get to see him more than once a year, man. And, you know, if anything, Gary Russell provides you with, um, you know, he, he's got flashy hands, he can get his hands, and I think that um, a lot of his punches aren't, well, I don't think he puts everything into every combination. I don't think he necessarily throws pitter-pat punches a lot, but I thought his fight with uh, Diaz was highly entertaining. And You know, I, I want to see both fighters back in the ring again as soon as we can. Yeah, um, I have not had the opportunity to watch Russell versus Diaz, but uh, from what I've heard, you know, a lot of people are very impressed with Russell. You said that he's one of the best featherweights in the division. I mean, considering that his only loss is to Lomachenko, it's kind of hard to argue. Right, and, and, you know, um, I, I think that his loss to Lomachenko was, you know, both in both men's early in their career. I mean, it was Lomachenko's third fight, if you can believe that that that's pretty crazy just to go back and think about that but you know I, I think that um you know Lomachenko was unlike the other featherweight champions in the division and I you know against guys like Oscar Valdez uh Leo Santa Cruz I think Gary Russell Jr. would be able to hold his own I think maybe against uh Santa Cruz you know he used to fight uh more in a manner of a uh, Antonio Margarito but he was high volume so if he kind of maybe return to something like that. He might be able to outpoint or, you know, win rounds based on volume against Gary Russell. That's a good point. Okay, now let's move on to, or move off of Gary Russell Jr. And let's talk about Vasil Lomachenko coming, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, coming off his biggest victory to date against Jorge Linares for the lightweight championship. This was a fight that I was predicting that, uh, Lomachenko would win by stopping Linares on cuts in the ninth round, but he stopped him with a body shot in the tenth round. So let's just say that I'm right because we're going to round to the nearest ten. So my prediction was <laughs> the, the technique was off, but, you know, the, the round was pretty much correct. So what right. did you think of this fight? Oh, man, I was there live for it. Um, you lucky the bastard. I was there live for it. It was a great fight. It was um, it was a classic, as I would like to say. I thought it uh, exhibited uh, an amount of skill, you know, in boxing that's rare to see. I thought it was in the vein of uh, maybe fights like uh, Juan Manuel Marquez against Marco Antonio Barrera, or mm. even in the early '90s, James Tony against Mike McCallum. I thought it was high level uh, skill that we saw in there. Uh, we saw both guys you know, have to make adjustments and uh, fight back from adversity. I, I thought it was a great fight, and it really cemented uh, Lomachenko as one of the best fighters in the world, in, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I think he gets probably a, a lot of the praise is based on uh, because he's happening right now, you know, um, and maybe some people are going overboard. Uh, but I, I do think he's proven without a doubt that he's one of the best fighters in the world. And he can fight against guys who have different skill set. You know, he he clearly beat Gary Russell Jr., a guy who has fast hands, athleticism. Now he's beating a technician like Linares. He can beat guys who come forward. I mean, you know, regardless of the loss with Orlando Salido, I think without question, uh, if Lomachenko keeps going on the track that he's going on, I think he's going to eventually, you know, become the undisputed number one pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. So you don't you don't count him as number one at the moment? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think it's a toss-up. I don't really think there is a number one, to be honest with you. I, I think that Crawford, Triple G, and Lomachenko 
are all kind of around the same realm, and you could kind of pick and choose who you want to put out, put on top between the three. Yeah, I think there's arguments you can make for all three. So um, I'm not really sure who I would put. I mean, I, I guess maybe seeing him live, uh, yeah. and uh, and uh, you know, I saw Golovkin live against Jacobs, but you know, that was a cl- much closer fight. So um, you know, I, I would probably you know bet on him more than anybody, but and also. Um, you know, another reason why you want to rank somebody highly is because you're anticipating what their next fight is. And while I am anticipating, you know, uh, Crawford Horn a little bit, um, and I do look forward to Canelo facing Triple G if the rematch takes place, um, I think the fight I'm looking forward to the most, maybe in the entire sport, might be uh, Lomachenko against Mikey Garcia. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that that You must be a mind reader or something because that was what I wanted to get into next. Because Oh, yeah. That is a, oh my gosh, just thinking about that, that is such a great fight, and uh, it's hard to really say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that, the, that Lomachenko is going to win, or I'm certain that Garcia is going to win. It's, oh, it's very exciting, and plus, uh, we, we saw uh, Lomachenko taste the canvas for the first time, he was down in round six, but like, he was down, or he, he got up just as quickly as he went down. And yeah, he didn't seem yeah. really bothered or hurt by it. And I, I can't I don't know if we've ever seen that sort of weakness from Mikey Garcia yet. No, I mean he's you know, the only time I remember him getting knocked down was like another flash knockdown against uh, Roman Mont- Martinez, who Lomachenko knocked out in the fifth round, um I believe in 2016. So I mean, you know, Garcia was down, it was like a short right hand that landed you know, really well-timed, but that's really about it. I mean, he got up and knocked out with Roman Martinez, so, I mean, you know, if that doesn't tell you anything, I I think that that fight, um, and, you know, uh, I'm hearing rumors of Mikey Garcia to take on Robert Easter, and, you know, that'll be a good fight. I I would, you know, I definitely favor Mikey Garcia in that, but if he comes out uh, with the victory in that fight, you know, you have the potential of, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, if Lomachenko fights Ray Beltran next for the WBO title, I mean, this fight would be not only between two of the best in the world, but uh, for the undisputed title in the division for with all four titles on the line. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Now, I've, I've heard talk that there might be, uh, and I'm hoping that there is not because I don't think that there's anything left to prove there, but a rematch between Linares and Lomachenko. At least I've heard De La Hoya talking about that but that's almost that's to be expected of oscar de la hoya yeah i mean you know i think it wasn't a to say the least it wasn't the best night for them um with uh saddam ali also losing his title uh, mm-hmm. in another part of new york but you know i wouldn't mind seeing lenaris again i don't know if i necessarily want to see him in against lomachenko maybe um I'm not sure who's there for him to fight. I mean, maybe um, look at for another contender in the division, maybe someone like Richard Comey. Uh, but I definitely think he's still in the mix for future title shots. I think, um, you know, if Mikey Garcia, after he fought Robert Easter and they couldn't make the Lomachenko fight, because people got to remember is that Mikey Garcia in top rank, they – I mean, Mikey Garcia sat out on a contract with them, and he was being main evented on HBO, getting paid in the high six figures, mm-hmm. and he still sat out for two and a half years. Um, 
So I, I, if I'm top rank, maybe you don't want to go into business with a guy that just a few years ago you were in a, in a lawsuit with. So, and I think maybe that's something that has prevented the fight from happening. Um, at the post-fight press conference, Bob Aaron made it clear um, that he's not going to go through some kind of lengthy negotiation with Mikey Garcia. But, you know, maybe he's, you know, Bob being Bob, you know, just saying things um, maybe just as a – as a sign over to Mikey Garcia, but you know, Linares would be a good opponent for Garcia. If the fight with uh, Lomachenko doesn't go through, I'd still be excited for that. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And what you got to like about these guys is that they fight more than once a year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Lomachenko, you know, I'm hoping they kind of stick him going about three or four times a year. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, especially Mikey, too. You know, I think the most we're going to get out of him is probably two times a year. But, you know, a lot of the guys in the PBC, you know, they're not as active as uh, they should be. You know, I think Iron sharpens Iron. You know, it's the same way with me. You know, I try to write an article as many times as I can throughout a week because I feel like it keeps me sharp and keeps it better. But, you know... I don't know. I know this is a different era, and guys can uh, more or less stay in shape out of the ring, maybe a, maybe a little bit better, and sustain their bodies with you know better better medicine for recovery. But you know, we we need to see them in the ring more often. You know, guys like Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, they've really uh, halted the momentum of their careers. You know, where after they get a big victory, you don't see them for another nine months in the ring. And, and I think that their management has really you know halted their their amount of uh, stardom they could probably have gotten i almost want to say that it's not so much haltered as it is squandered because yeah, uh, yeah. you know they, they do such good ratings and especially when they air these big fights on free tv it's not like okay well you get this cable channel or that no you just turn on cbs your local cbs channel and bam you can watch keith thurman and Danny Garcia, two of the best welterweights in the world fighting. But then afterwards, it's kind of like, have you know, okay, when are we going to see them? Well, you'll see them next year. It's like, but, but we're, <laughs> yeah. only, we're only two months into the year or three months into the year. Why do we have to wait next year? I mean, it's a bit ridiculous. And Keith Thurman, I mean, good fighter, but the guy keeps getting injured. It's just, it's not, ugh. It, it's no, no, a it's shame. Very I mean, these guys are either getting injured or their management's just saying, Oh, you know, it's it's not the right time yet. I mean, it's not this era isn't so much about being great as it is about getting great paychecks. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And I think that, you know, from a human perspective, I guess if I if I were a fighter, maybe if you paid me upwards of over a million dollars to fight someone just in the top ten. Um, and I only have to do it once or twice a year, maybe I'd be satisfied with that. And I think that's what a lot of these fighters are. They're looking more forward to the paycheck than what comes after that. You know, when it's all said and done, you know, none of us are going to be talking about how much money uh, Muhammad Ali made or how much money uh, Sugar Ray Leonard made. You know, we're going to be talking about all the uh, great fights that they had and participated in and gave to fans. So... You know, I think maybe a lot of guys don't value that as much in this era. And, you know, maybe that's something that will change and evolve, and that's certainly not every single fighter out there, you know, Lomachenko being one of them. Um, I remember after his fight with Rigondeaux, he said that he still didn't feel like he was the best fighter in the world after that fight, and that his win over Rigondeaux was just okay. He didn't, even though he dominated a guy that was yeah. supposed to be testing him uh, skill for skill. Um 
and that just shows you his uh, his level of of how many languages he can speak in the ring, for lack of a better term. Because mm-hmm. if you can fight a guy who can come forward and bully you, and then fight a guy who's gonna fight off the back foot and not engage at all, you know, I, I think Lomachenko is pretty well well rounded to say the least. Oh yeah, it, it, he's he's certainly cut from a different cloth. That's for sure. Now, do you think that um, this Canelo Golovkin rematch happens? Oh, in <laughs> do I think it happens? Hopefully, uh, will it happen this year? Hopefully, uh, do I hopefully. do I do I actually think it's going to happen? You know, I I honest to God have my doubts. I, I'm very worried that that dreaded thing called ego is going to get in the way, and that uh, pretty soon we're going to hear Oscar saying, you know, we don't need. We don't need a Canelo or a Canelo versus Golovkin two. We don't need that because Canelo proved it the first time, and you know the judges just didn't get it right. You know, I, I, they they didn't get it right. I, I thought Golovkin clearly won yes. the first fight. Um, in my opinion, I, I thought. You know, I'll, I'll admit on fight night, I probably had it wider than most people do. But you know, I've rewatched it a few times, and I can see rounds. Um, that I gave to Golovkin going to Canelo. But, you know, at the end of the day, I still had Golovkin winning that fight. And the truth of the matter is this. Um, with Canelo, it's not only the – it's a winnable fight for him. He, he can certainly make adjustments to win that fight. Um, but it's also the biggest money fight for him, you know, short of – I don't know, Floyd Mayweather coming back and, you know, I'm going to knock on wood and hope that he doesn't come back in any sort of way. Not in MMA or boxing. Floyd, you know, you're doing a better job. You know, Mayweather Promotions has Badu Jack. That's great. And, you know, hopefully, I don't know, maybe they'll – I want to see him work that in that era and in that realm instead of in the ring at this point. Um, Do more stuff outside the ring than inside it. I mean – Yeah, I mean, we we don't – I mean, you know, the, his era is over, and yeah. um, you know, and hopefully, you know, all the retirements that happened last year with Shane Mosley, Marquez, Klitschko, you know, we just need Pacquiao to get his ass out of oh, here. Oh no, know. kidding! Well, <laughs> now, now uh, I've heard that the fight with uh, Matisse might be in jeopardy; that it might be postponed or something. What do you hear about uh, that? Um, I heard, I heard that actually, that exact same rumor. And then uh, I saw Pacquiao post on his uh, social media. Uh, I think it was his Twitter, um, that all the, you know, he was kind of negating all the rumors, but you know, I guess we'll see, you know, I, I certainly thought, um, that Matisse was the perfect opponent for his comeback. I thought they picked a good guy for him to come back with. Um, you know, you win kind of the regular WBA title, whatever that means. Yeah. You fight a guy who's beatable. Um, and, you know, it's it's a – I guess it's a solid win, you know, if he wins that. Um, and it's and it could be an exciting fight. But, you know, I thought it was going to be kind of like the Amir Khan uh, thing that happened last year where, you know, there were supposed to be these investors from Dubai and that never materialized oh, in anything. Oh, yes, yes. I remember then hearing got the, about that. Then we got the whole Jeff Horn situation, and uh, <laughs> that happened. I mean, it was it was a good fight, but um, I don't think it was a, a, a bad fight. And, I, and I'm just speaking from an entertainment perspective, but I think that 
in a lot of ways, besides you know making Pacquiao money, it was kind of a waste of time in a lot of in a lot of respects. It, it was completely unnecessary. I, I felt that Pacquiao yeah. should have stayed away after he beat Timothy Bradley for the third time, but officially second time. But regardless, it, it, it's just a bit sad, and I've brought this up before. I don't know why Pacquiao is doing it at this point. I mean, what what else is there to prove? It, it feels I'm seeing. I voice them to you on social media, but I'm seeing the parallels to him and De La Hoya at the end of his career because now he's dumped his longtime trainer and he's got Boo Boy training him and it looks like he's doing yeah. a bad job of training him. <laughs> it basically means he's training himself. And, you know, boxing is a full-time job. Um, you know, I've written about this with Manny. I, I think that... He's not going to be able to do both um, 100%. I, I think in, you know, I don't think he's been having the best training camp since he started doing, you know, four weeks in uh, in the Philippines and then four weeks at the wild card or full camps in the Philippines. But, you know, it, it's what it is now at this point. And, you know, uh, some guys uh, don't retire. They get retired. Yeah. And uh, Manny might, he might be one of those guys. But we'll see. I certainly think he can... Um, I mean, you know, he he, he, certainly can be, he certainly can beat Matisse. I mean, it's not just Boo yeah, Boy he's going to be working so. with him. He'll also have yeah. Nito Daenerys Sr. in his corner. And, and I did see uh, Justin Fortune there as well. I guess, yes. you know, one of his strength and conditioning coaches. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he'll, he'll, and he's a former fighter. So he'll have, you know, familiar faces. I do think, um, you know, from what I, some quotes I saw about Pacquiao is that he didn't like some of the things that Freddie said afterwards and, I kind of agreed with Freddie, you know, that what I saw in an interview with Freddie after that fight was basically you can't do, you know, to, you can't do this boxing game part-time, you know. Yeah. He's got to do it full-time, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how long the camps have been going where maybe Freddie has become more of a, uh, a pad holder, more more so than a trainer, but, um, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, they lasted for a long time. They had a good run, and... I just hope that uh, if Manny does win against Matisse, uh, I hope he retires. Uh, if he looks good, he should retire. And if he looks bad, he should retire even more so. Exactly. I mean, if he beats Matisse, that'll be 60 wins. I mean, 60 wins. 6-0. Yeah. I mean, most fighters yeah. say we'll be lucky if they get to 60. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he is going to be – we might not see guys get to that amount of fights again i mean you know he already has you know he's 59 7 and 2 mm -hmm. uh that's you know he's almost had 70 fights and in this era that's that's rare you know not a lot of guys are going to get to that amount of fights anymore um and he's a fighter you know he's fought all over the world and uh i think it'd be a good send-off for him if he were to win i guess you know the, the wba title in a, in a sense and maybe it will be the full one if they end up stripping keith thurman of that title um, so, you know, and he can retire and I'd rather not see him against Crawford, um, uh, or Lomachenko. Uh, I'd rather just see him retire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they, if they put him in the ring with Crawford, then I think, okay, the De La Hoya parallels with him, it's uh, going to be like, oh God, no, no, no. Oh. Yeah. And the, the crazy part is that the only difference would be is that, uh, Crawford would be the favorite um, going into that, whereas Oscar 
was like a I mean it wasn't I think by the time Fight Night came along especially after the weigh-in the odds went down a lot uh, I think they got to like two to one yeah in but, favor but, of Oscar but I mean I'll admit, it, it was an old Oscar I, I'll admit like years ago like w- when that fight was announced and I I thought why are so many people picking Oscar I don't get it and then the fight happened and I was like why are you people shocked by this Oscar's part time and. I, I, I just didn't understand it, but it, it's not worth understanding now. Uh, let's finish this off with talking about the heavyweight division. Tyson Fury, the uh, heavyweight champion in exile, so to speak, has, uh, he's announced he's coming back. He's apparently, I've seen pictures, looks to be getting in some pretty good shape. And uh, they, they announced an opponent recently. I'm, I'm trying to look up the name. It is Sefer Sefiri. If I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, what do you think about this? I mean, I think, um, they were looking for an opponent that, um, maybe can give him some rounds. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I've never seen this guy fight, but, um, I'm glad to see Tyson Fury, you know, get back into the ring. I, now, do I trust him to stay there? I kind of look at him in the same vein as, like, Adrian Broner and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Ah. Well, you know, I've gotten to the point where, okay... You're going to talk and say that you're going to do things, but I'm going to just wait until you actually get into the ring, and then we'll actually see it. Uh, basically, his word has no meaning to me. Um, however, you know, I, I think he'll be a good mix if he does come back, and I'm, you know, in a sense rooting for him, although I guess uh, technically his fight with Klitschko isn't exactly have much replay value, oh, but yeah. I do think... Uh, well, can, can you I say that a lo- about a lot of uh, Vladimir Klitschko fights? Oh, yeah, and I know um, Klitschko, there's been kind of a um, a sanitization of his, of the history of Klitschko after the Joshua fight, where, and that was a great fight, you know, oh, I'm not going to take anything about fight. that, it was a great fight, it was a classic, it was a great send-off for him, but, yeah, oddly uh, enough, his fights with uh, Alexander Povetkin are some of the worst fights I've ever seen. Um, mm. he, he's His holding and clinching was uh, insufferable. For so many years, and um, you know, he was a great fighter. Um, I enjoyed watching Vitali a lot more personally, yeah. um, but obviously, I think he's going to get ranked higher because of the amount of time he stayed on top. You know, nothing but respect for Klitschko. He always came in shape, but um, I would not put him as one of the most exciting heavyweights in the world. Um, and that says something. If you look at his knockout percentage, you would think the opposite of that. But yeah. his fights, um, you know, are a bit boring. But, hey, I, you know, if statistically, you know, it, you wouldn't think he would be, you know, considered a boring fighter. But, you know, a lot, a lot of his fights left you uh, with me, let's just say, leaving a lot desired. Yeah, it, but at the same time, I'm reminded of something Nazim Richardson said about Klitschko and that he regards Klitschko as one of the great heavyweight champions of all time, like up there with Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali, because he says, okay, yes, he is boring, but this guy, even though he apparently has this weak chin, nobody seems to be able to get to it very often, and no, he knocks true. out everybody yeah. that you put in front of him, and when you look at it, the only person who defended a heavyweight title longer than or more than uh, Vladimir Klitschko was Joe Lewis. And to yeah. say that you're second place to Joe Lewis, that's not too bad. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. I, I, I wouldn't yeah. mind. I mean, hell, Joe Lewis could beat me in a marathon, and I'd be like, you know what? That's not bad. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> not bad. I mean, and you're right. You know, like I uh, stated, uh, statistically, you can't really uh, say too many negative things about the guy. I mean, yeah, you know, he lost to Lehman Brewster and Corey Sanders, and I think uh, uh, Ross Purity. Yeah, I'm Purity. mistaken. Yeah, Ross Purity, but um, and that one's. Uh, you know what? I don't even think I've seen that one. You know, the other ones are, are more. Uh, I guess uh, out there because you know obviously the Corey Sanders one is a second round knockout then the Lehman Brewster fight you have the visual of him kind of crawling back to his corner after you know being exhausted but you know you're right I mean a lot of his knockouts you know against uh, Chris Bird, Calvin Brock, uh, Ray Austin even uh, you know kind of a forgotten fight his fight against uh, Samuel Peter Yes. Back in 2005, that was actually a good fight. So That, that was know. a good fight, and that's when they mm. were like starting to write him off, like, okay, like this is going to be sort of, the, I think Larry Merchant put it, the uh, new era versus the old new era. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and you know what, uh, just uh, you bringing that up, uh, man, uh, I wish we had a Larry Merchant back in, uh, on HBO. Oh, and, uh, I wish HBO know, actually did boxing on, re- on a regular basis. Uh, you know what? Uh, speaking of that, I, I just want to state this. As a consumer of boxing for the last, uh, what, 20 years, since I probably started following the sport back in, like, 1998, um, you know, Showtime this weekend had an international broadcast that they showed on YouTube for Lee Selby and uh, against, I think it was Josh Warren. And uh, then we had a fight in Toronto that they broadcast and a fight in the uh, D.C. area of uh, Oxen Hill, Maryland. And they showed them all, and I was able to watch them all on YouTube and then on uh, Showtime Anytime. The app, you know, HBO has nothing like that. Their HBO Go doesn't do that at all. They're operating like it's a 2008 not 2018, and uh, I think for a lot of boxing fans out there, they got to ask themselves, you look at the calendar right now, their next bout is going to be Kovalev-Alvarez, and uh, is one show a month of Jim Lampley's The Fight Game enough yeah. to keep for you to keep HBO? Um, HBO has had, you know, and I, I loved Superfly 2. I, I think that uh, Rungvisai Estrada was a uh, one of the fights of the year, and I look forward to that rematch. It's one of my more anticipated fights of the year, if that goes down. But besides that, um, it's been pretty slim pickings for HBO this year. Yeah, I, I don't know what the hell's happened with them. I mean, ESPN and Showtime are both knocking it out of the park, and HBO, I mean, they've got the fight game, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to pay a subscription just so I can watch Jim Lampley, you know, go through his thesaurus and show how smart he is by <laughs> describing all these fighters. It's just like, Jim, just get to the point and take off those ridiculous glasses. Oh, those glasses. Oh, you brought them up. You brought up the glasses. It's hard oh, not man. to. I know. You're right. You're right. Those are, uh, he took a chance and uh, I guess, uh, he's, He's been keep. He's trying to keep get them in style or something. I, I don't know. I don't, maybe like nobody's the, mentioned anything. I don't know. It's the puffy shirt of boxing broadcasting. I just don't understand <laughs> what he's doing or what he's trying to do. But whatever it is, it's not working. It's definitely not. And, and you know that that's another thing that's kind of 
you know, uh, when you brought up Jim Lampley, kind of get to the point. Um, that's kind of the problem with their broadcasting lately, I think. Um, you know, every time I hear Max Kellerman, he's uh, n- not talking about the things that are actually happening in the fight. He's busy comparing fighters to other fighters. Oh, I, I remember. He does that so often, it's annoying. Like, you know, somebody will throw a jab, and Max will go nuts saying, wow, that jab is like if, if Tommy Hearns' jab and, and Carmen Basilio's jab had a baby. Oh. That's what that jab would look like, Jim. Like, oh, man. He, he like, just needs to, you know, just call the fight. Yeah. Calm down a little bit. Just call the fight, man. I, yeah. I don't know if he's trying to um, trying show too off hard. being the boxing historian, but it, it just doesn't come off well on broadcast. And it, a lot of the times, it makes them sound a little bit biased, like they're um, oh, they almost cheering for the home fighter. And, you know, I, I know they probably are, but you got to do a little bit better of hiding that. You know, I think, yeah. I think they can do a better job there, but... um. You know, having said that, um, you know, when HBO, anytime they do their documentaries and series, you know, they always do a fantastic job and all that. But, you know, we need a little bit more boxing. Oh, yes. Uh, We need more boxing. Um, And the fact is, I I heard, you know, with that ESPN Plus app that you can get Top Rank's uh, full catalog on there. Now, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I actually don't have the app there. But, you know, think about this. How many fights does HBO have? That you know you could you should be able to go on HBO Go or an HBO app, and we could probably watch how many fights have Oscar De La Hoya, Roy Jones Jr., uh, Pacquiao, Mayweather. How many fights have they had on HBO? Yeah, and you know it'd be great for fans to go back and watch that. They have a whole library. Yeah, almost forty-five years worth of fights on HBO. I mean, I know. And then UFC does that with their UFC Fight Pass thing. And they broadcast fights live on that and show different, uh, I guess, combat sports. I've seen Muay Thai. They held that uh, Roy Jones last fight on there that took place in Pensacola. And speaking of that, I'm very happy that uh, Roy Jones has finally retired, hopefully. Yeah, it you came know, about 13 years too late. But hey, 13 years too late, but finally. I'm just glad that it's over. You know, I've met Roy a couple times. He's a really nice and personable guy. So, um, and he's really good with fans and uh, it was was good that I'm finally he's going to be out of the ring. Finally, we don't have to hear. It's almost like hearing about a a disaster, almost uh, like just uh, like hearing about his him getting knocked out again. Uh, It's like, oh, again, why is he still doing this? And uh, it almost became um, to the point where I think a lot of people in almost like Adonna Stevenson is they're very apathetic towards it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and when you don't get any kind of reaction, whether it be negative or positive from fans, it kind of shows you where your career is at. Yes, unfortunately. Hector, we've been talking for almost a half hour. This has been just a blast it's been much more enjoyable than you know me doing a a single monologue just telling people my opinions so i want people to have access to your opinions as well can you tell us where we can read your work yeah absolutely um you could definitely uh, check all my stuff out 
on a www.frontproofmedia.com. Uh, you can also follow Front Proof Media on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. I am the senior writer and editor there. So, uh, you know, if you guys are any in checking out any kind of uh, boxing articles, you know, head our way. And um, we definitely also cover uh, mixed martial arts as well. So uh, we definitely have a wide variety of topics at the website. Very good. Hector, I've had an absolute pleasure. That this, the, the minutes just flew by. I mean, it's still daylight outside, but that's, the, that's you know, daylight savings. But uh, regardless, uh, I really enjoyed this chat. I hope we get to do it again, and uh, I hope we don't have to wait so long between broadcasts. Right, absolutely, man. I'm definitely available, you know, whenever you want to do it. And, you know, if you ever want to do one talking about um, some movies as well, um, you know, we could definitely do that as well. Now, I don't think the world is quite ready for another podcast where I'm talking and rambling about movies, comics, and pop culture. Besides, I've already got the Basement Vagrants for that, but hopefully Hector and I will do another joint podcast in the future. Uh, I had a great time doing with it. He knows a lot more about boxing than I do, and his knowledge of the sport and all the players involved is just incredible. Second to none, really good guy to have on the podcast, and yeah, like I said, I, I can't wait to have him on again one day. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week.